This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy to use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. Hey everybody, Will here with the Tennis Tribe, and before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to let you know, um, I recorded this on two separate occasions, and on the first half, you'll notice that the sound quality is not quite as good. Uh, The reason for that is I just totally forgot to uh, plug in my microphone to my laptop, so it's through my laptop uh, microphone. And then the second half, the audio quality improves a lot. Um, you'll still be able to hear all of it, uh, but I do apologize and I'll try not to, uh, let that happen again. So anyways, um, let's dive into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. And in this episode, I'm going to cover why I think the way that most people are thinking about strengths and weaknesses needs to change. Now, over the weekend, I played in a tournament here in Texas, and I was having some conversations with several different people, and I I said, uh, you know, they'd have a match coming up, and I'd say, uh, how do you beat that girl, or or how do you beat that doubles team, or how do you beat that guy? Uh, And a lot of the answers I would get were very, very simple. Oh, she hates her backhand, or uh, she always, um, he always slices his forehand, so just hit it there. Uh, And in reality, I I don't think it's that simple. Uh, And I want to kind of challenge you to think about strengths and weaknesses in a different way. Um, So I'm going to go through some examples with you, uh, as well as some data that I have uh, from Warren Pretorius over at Tennis Analytics on, uh, actually it's on 3-5 and 4-0 doubles matches. So We're going to cover that at the end, and that is uh, really fascinating, actually. So uh, the thing I wanted to start with is a a question for you. Um, So like I said, when I was asking all these people, you know, what's your strategy against her? What's your strategy against him? Uh, It might be hit to the backhand. He hates his backhand. Hit to the backhand. Serve to the backhand. And, And again, it's not that simple. So my question for you is this. Now, take a moment. Grab a pen or paper. Um, a a pen and paper uh, if you have something near you to write this down. So what if a player finishes a match and they have the following stats? Now write this down. Their forehand has seven winners and 21 errors. Let's say for simplicity, this is a singles match. So seven winners, 21 errors. Their backhand has two winners and six errors. Now think about that. And the question is, which one is their strength and which one is their weakness? So if you just look at winners, the forehand is the strength, right? Seven winners for the forehand, two winners for the backhand. But if we get rid of winners, we look at errors. We have 21 errors for the forehand and six errors for the backhand. So then the backhand's the strength. So really, there's no clear answer here. And this is not a, an uncommon scenario. Um, for a lot of players, their forehand is going to hit more winners, but it's going to produce more errors. And their backhand is going to produce 
far fewer errors, but it's going to hit a lot fewer winners. It's very, very common in tennis. So when we're talking about strengths and weaknesses, we can't answer the question, what is that player's strength or what is that player's weakness without a lot more context? Are they hitting a return? Are they hitting a a ground stroke? Are they hitting from behind the baseline? Is it an approach shot? What's the height of the ball? What's the spin of the ball? Is it a fast pace or slow pace ball? Are they on offense or defense? There's all this nuance to it. And I want to talk about that with a few examples here. So when I was at Indian Wells last month, I was able to spend some time with Craig O'Shaughnessy. He's an ATP strategy coach. I've had him on the podcast before. Um, and he was there working with uh, Matteo Berrettini, along with several other players, creating scouting reports uh, and doing strategy analysis. And I asked him the same question that I was asking uh, the 4-0, 4-5, uh, and 5-0 players over the weekend at this tournament. What's the game plan? How do you beat this player um, that, your, uh, that your player is coming up against in the next round? Now, I'm not going to give uh, names here, but um, I'm going to give you two examples. One, uh, he said, yeah, to beat this guy, you have to hit slow, high, heavy balls to the forehand and then wait for the right short ball, approach to the backhand and come forward and attack. So there's a lot more nuance there, right? It's not the backhand's the weakness or the forehand's the weakness. It's the forehand but it's a very specific type of forehand. It's a high forehand, it's a heavy forehand, and it's a little bit off pace. It's not um, super, uh, it it doesn't have a lot of uh, pace to it. So a high, heavy forehand. But then if you have a short ball, you approach the backhand. So in that case, the backhand's the weakness. So again, it's a little more complex. There's a little nuance there. The second strategy uh, that... I asked him about was to beat a different player. And he said, this player likes pace and he likes to hit from the corners. So if you're hitting a really fast paced ball to his backhand corner, he's going to get on the run and he's going to like that ball. You're going to give him angles. Uh, Same for the forehand corner. If you hit way deep to the forehand corner with a lot of pace, he's going to like that ball. You're going to give him angles. You're going to get into trouble. So his game plan against this player was to play down the middle of the court and use a lot of variety, use a lot of slices, a lot of uh, slower, high, heavy balls, um, any sort of kind of off-pace junk down the middle of the court, again, until you get the ball you need, the short ball that you want, and then the same strategy there, approach to the backhand and come in behind it. So again, in both of these examples, it's not just, oh, hit to the backhand, hit to the forehand. Now, Craig is a very, very good high-level ATP strategy coach, and we're obviously not at that level, but we can learn a lot from this, um, and we can implement some of this into our own game. So uh, for me over the weekend, um, I played uh, both doubles and singles uh, in this particular tournament, and I wanted to share the example from my own singles match. Um, So I played uh, this match on Sunday, uh, it was in the the 5-0 draw, and I was playing against a player who up to that point um, had only lost uh, four games in the tournament. Uh, he had won 0-1, I think he got a retirement, and then he won 1-2. and 
and he's definitely a better singles player than me. Um, but I used a, a really good strategy to actually get a set off him, and I ended up losing in the third set. But um, this player was similar to the first player I was talking about uh, just a moment ago. So he was a player who likes to run. So anytime you hit him into a corner, he's very comfortable on the run. And he also can redirect pace really well. So against this player, what I did is since he's fast, he likes to run. I decided, okay, I'm not going to let him run. So I hit every ball pretty much down the middle of the court. So I took away one of his strengths, which is running. Uh, The second one was I had to figure out, does he like his forehand or backhand better? Because eventually I have to get to the net against this player. He's simply a better player than me. I've got to take some risks. So should I be rallying to the forehand? Should I be approaching to the forehand uh, before I get to the net? How should that work out? So I kind of tested some things out early on. Uh, I figured out that if I rallied from the baseline down the middle to his backhand, he was able to redirect that really well with a lot of pace. So instead, I rallied towards his the center of the court, but towards his forehand side until I got the short ball that I wanted. And then I was able to hit kind of a slow chip and come in behind that. So you can see from these examples, there's a lot more nuance than just hit to the forehand, hit to the backhand. Um, like I said, I ended up winning the first set against this guy. Uh, I didn't have the energy to beat him. He also started playing better um, and he beat me in the third set. But it was definitely... Um, a very nuanced strategy that I felt like worked really well uh, against this particular player. Um, for me, myself, uh, I would say my backhand's my weakness in general, but again, not all backhands. So I actually like high backhands. So if somebody hits a kick serve to me or hits a heavy forehand in my backhand and I can take it up by my shoulder, I like that. But if they hit um, a ball up high to my forehand, I don't like it as much. But for almost any other ball, I like my forehand better. So if you were to play me in in singles or doubles, you could probably experiment with some different spins, paces, and so on, and eventually figure this out, that Will struggles with high forehands, and the rest of the time, he struggles with backhands. So again, keep these things in mind um, as you're going out into your next match. uh, What type of forehand or what type of backhand are they struggling with? So I'm going to go over next all the factors that you want to consider uh, and kind of create a framework here on how do we find the strength or how do we find uh, the weakness that we'll touch on uh, some of what we've covered in a previous podcast episode as well. Okay, so how do we actually find a strength or a weakness on the doubles court? Now, what I want to do is kind of summarize a previous podcast episode where I talked about uh, creating a game plan and making in-match adjustments. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes, but you can also um, probably just Google uh, creating a game plan in doubles podcast or something like that, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, But I'll summarize it here briefly, uh, real quick. So for doubles, um, you know, singles is going to be different uh, because there's only one player on the court or on the other side of the net anyways. Um, but for doubles, uh, we start with the player. So which player is weaker, right? Um, if one player is clearly weaker, then uh, typically on most balls, we want to hit it to that player. 
the next level is going to be direction. So if we find a weaker player, um, what's their weaker ground stroke? And this is kind of the the oversimplistic way to look at it, right? Like I was saying earlier um, at the tournament this weekend, I was asking people, uh, what's your plan against this person? And it's, oh, I'm going to serve to their weakness and then I'm going to hit to their weakness. Well, uh, they might have a different weakness on the return than they do on ground strokes. Um, so again, this is a, a very basic way to view it. Um, but uh, we have four options there. We have player A's forehand, player A's backhand, player B's forehand, player B's backhand. Um, which one of those four is the weakest? The next uh, variable or factor that we can experiment with, um, really there's two of them, is uh, depth and height. So a lot of people struggle with depth. A lot of people struggle with height. Um, some people struggle with shorter balls and don't like to come to the net. Some people struggle with uh, lower balls and don't like to um, kind of bend down uh, for some of those lower balls. So in the singles match I played this weekend, for example, uh, anytime I hit a ball with depth and came in behind it, the opponent was able to lob me pretty easily. But if I left my slice kind of low and short in the court, he had to run forward to hit his backhand because I typically would hit it to the backhand side. And he had trouble timing that lob as easily. So what happened was I ended up with a, a decent look at an overhead a lot of the time, or he would just try to hit a passing shot off of it as he kind of ran forward towards it, uh, and he would miss that passing shot. So um, that turned out to be a scenario where um, he liked the higher balls and he liked the deeper balls, so I decided to give him a low, um, short kind of chip shot. So experimenting with those two, um, on that forehand or backhand, whichever one you find uh, is a little bit weaker, um, is a good strategy. Uh, next is pace. So some players like pace. Uh, I know a lot of you listening struggle against teams that lob. A lot of lobbers actually like pace. They use your pace to uh, to hit their lobs with good depth. So uh, using some variety on pace will um, help you uh, not get lobbed as often there. Uh, and then spin, I've already talked about it a little bit, but of course you can hit with top spin, you can hit with slice depending on your skill level. Uh, and that's another variable um, to kind of play with and figure out uh, what the opponent likes and what they don't like. Uh, and then the last one, uh, this is one that um, is kind of related to all of them. And it's something I've uh, I've thought a lot about recently, um, especially on serving. Uh, uh, the word I'm using is space. I'm not sure if it's the best word for it, but um, especially on returns, a lot of people like when you serve wide or down the tee on them and you uh, create space for them versus serving into the body and kind of jamming them. So um, think about how much space the opponent needs on uh, a return or a ground stroke. Um, are they more comfortable uh, on the run, like uh, the guy I played in singles over the weekend, or um, do they have trouble uh, when you hit into their body and when you kind of jam them? So think about space as well. Um, so those are the variables I would kind of consider and start um, experimenting with to find some of the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, the next thing I want to do is talk about 
uh, some of the data that I mentioned earlier. This is on um, 3-5 and 4-0 level doubles players. So I got this data from uh, Warren Pretorius over at Tennis Analytics. Um, and you, you can get this sort of data yourself. Uh, if you go to tennisanalytics.net, you can um, purchase what's called one of their player packages. And uh, you just have to film your match. You upload it to their platform, and then they send you a report with a lot of data. And I've done it a few times. It's very, very cool. But um, what they did is they analyzed over 1,400 points at the 3-5 and 4-0 level. Um, and these are all doubles matches. And one thing that I've found over the years um, that I feel like a lot of people uh, still don't quite get is that the return and the ground stroke are, are two completely independent uh, shots in tennis. So when I was talking to a few people over the weekend, you know, asking that question, how do you beat this person? They would say, oh, they hate their backhand. I'm going to serve their backhand and hit everything to their backhand. So this data um, is interesting because it would uh, kind of counter that argument. So uh, what I did is I took the data, I looked at forehand returns, backhand returns, and then forehand ground strokes and backhand ground strokes. So a ground stroke would be anything that is the third shot of the rally or later. And uh, what I found on returns was that the forehand return had nine errors for every one winner. So think about that. Nine times as many errors as winners. The backhand return for these three, five, and four level players had three errors for every one winner. So if you measure it that way, the forehand return is committing far more errors uh, per winner, and it's going to be the weaker shot. So in, in total, there were 35 backhand winners, 17 forehand winners, uh, and significantly more forehand errors. So really, no matter which way you cut it, uh, the forehand return was the weaker shot in these 1,400 points. And th this is a, a pretty good sample size. So um, again, in this case, the backhand return is the stronger uh, stronger shot here. It's not the weakness. But let's look at ground strokes and see if that holds up there too. So um, you might think, you know, three, five, four level players, you know, they have two hands on the racket on their backhand. It's going to be a little more consistent. It's going to be the better shot. Um, well, on ground strokes for the forehand, there were just under four errors for every one winner. So that's a four to one ratio approximately. The backhand error rate was over five errors for every winner. So the backhand was over 20% worse on the ground strokes. And it was nearly three times better on returns. So this is very clear data that shows us the return and the ground stroke are not the same thing. So we want to think about that going into each match. Um, we want to not pick out, okay, their backhand's weaker, serve to their backhand, serve to their backhand, hit to their backhand. The return and ground stroke, we have to think about those independently. Uh, and I've mentioned it on the show before. It's true for myself. My backhand returns better. My forehand ground stroke's better. 
Um, so if you're playing me, you want to, you know, primary pattern, serve to my forehand, and then rally to my backhand uh, if you can get it there. I like to run around it. So that's, um, that's another, uh, another problem uh, that we can talk about on another episode. But um, for ground strokes, there were 46 forehand winners in these uh, for over 1,400 points and 22 backhand winners. So the forehand was more potent on the ground strokes. The backhand was more, uh, more a little bit more potent on the returns with uh, about double the amount of winners. So again, they're two separate things. So hopefully this helped you kind of better understand what a strength and a weakness is. Uh, there's just a lot of nuance to this. And, and I, I really, uh, it was hard for me to hear people say, um, just kind of oversimplify their strategies on, oh, I'm going to hit to their backhand or I'm going to hit to their forehand. And that's it. I, I really want to challenge you and get people to start thinking about um, what types of forehands, what types of backhands, separating the ground strokes from the returns uh, and things like that. And we're going to be um, I'm working closely with Tennis Analytics right now to get more data on this. I'm going to have Warren on the show soon um, to talk about a lot of this uh, USTA 3540. Um, we'll probably get some 4.5 data as well um, so that we can uh, start to better understand um, our our own doubles games. So uh, thanks everyone for listening um, and I will talk to you in the next episode. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly doubles newsletter. Every Thursday, we send you doubles tips and strategies to help you improve your game and become a smarter player. When you sign up, you'll get a free 10-page guide on how to play with more confidence and dominate at the net in doubles. You can go to thetennistribe.com to sign up now.